Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Today's message was preached at our Harrisonburg campus and also played via video at our East Rock campus. Hey, Church of the Nazarene family at East Rock. We love you. I love you. And every now and then I get the privilege of showing up either in person and sometimes on the big screen. I know I'm way better looking in person, but um, I I wanted to, to hop in today to share a message with you. This is really one of the most exciting weeks throughout the whole year for our church. And so today I have uh, just a specific word I want to share with you. And before we do that, um, we're we're celebrating kids this week. We're engaging a lot of kids in ministry this week. And so I was thinking about kids and I was thinking about a game I used to play uh, with kids and as a teenager even called Would You Rather. So humor me for a minute. I want you to turn to your neighbor. I'm going to ask you some questions and I really want you to answer these. I know you're thinking, do I really have to answer these? You do. Uh, there's ushers in the back of the room right now, and they're checking. They're watching. Uh, they're they're going to take a poll and see who's actually participating. But would you rather be forced to sing along with every song you hear for an entire day or to dance to every song you hear for an entire day? So would you rather be forced to sing along to every song you hear or dance along to everyone, turn to your neighbor and tell them, sing or dance. You got to pick one. There is a right answer. There is a right answer. All right, number two, would you rather, would you rather give up air conditioning for the rest of your life or give up the internet for the rest of your life? This is the hardest one, I promise, but you got to pick one. You can't say both. You can't say neither. So turn to your neighbor. You got to pick AC or internet. Which, which are you picking, right? Uh, would you rather be 11 feet tall or 11 inches tall. Think about that one. There could be some advantages and disadvantages to both. Uh, but turn to your neighbor and say 11 feet or 11 inches, right? It's okay. Uh, one more. Would you rather always be 10 minutes late or always be 20 minutes early? Your answer to that question might say a lot about you. Don't answer for your spouse. Answer for yourself, right? Would you rather uh, always be 10 minutes late or always be 20 minutes early? Hey, I said all that because I was really thinking of this question. I was really thinking in my life, would I rather be famous for being smart or be famous for being courageous? That's kind of a deep question. But I was doing some studying this week and and some very basic research. I found out that you can be famous for all sorts of things. You can be in the Hall of Fame. Now, Now, I knew about, you know, the Pro Football Hall of Fame the Baseball Hall of Fame, even the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I've been past that. But did you know there's all sorts of other Hall of Fames that you can be famous and be in? For instance, in Euclid, Ohio, I've never been there, some of you might have been, is the Polka Hall of Fame. Now talk about prestige. You get inducted into the Polka Hall of Fame. Or how about this? West Palm Beach, Florida 
is the Croquet Hall of Fame. Imagine, right, the glamour, the fame of the Croquet Hall of Fame. This one was just puzzling to me. In Tuscaloosa, Alabama, is the Insurance Hall of Fame Museum. I don't know how you get inducted there. I have so many questions, but we'll move on. I I say all that because today we're going to look in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about a, a particular example of a hall of fame. And it's not one that relies on athletic ability or career accomplishments. But in fact, of all the things you could be known for, of all the things that really matter, I think, I think being mentioned in this list matters most of all. It's not a literal hall of fame, but scholars refer to Hebrews chapter 11 as a hall of faith. Because what we read about here is, is a list of, of men and women who demonstrated incredible faith. People who, though they were faced with difficult obstacles and difficult circumstances, they chose faith every time. And so here's what I'm going to do. We're going to look in in Hebrews chapter 11 today. I'm going to pick up in verse 8, reading about a particular man named Abraham. And included in this account is not just Abraham, but his wife, Sarah. Their names are here in the hall of faith. And so I'm going to pick up reading uh, Hebrews 11, starting in verse 8. By faith... Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of that same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as sand on the seashore. (laughs) We see faith mentioned all throughout Hebrews chapter 11, but in our passage today, we see it mentioned, uh, look, look again with me, verse 8, it says, by faith. Verse 9, by faith. Again, verse 11, by faith. So why did they have this level of faith, Abraham and then Sarah, by faith, by faith, by faith? Well, look again at verse 11, because they considered him, the Lord God, faithful. They considered the Lord faithful, and so they responded every time in faith. What's noteworthy in Hebrews chapter 11 for Abraham, for Sarah, and all those listed here is that they acted on their faith. It's not just that they believed. It's not just that they had faith, but their faith resulted in action. Listen, they didn't believe their circumstances. They believed God. They didn't believe what they saw. They believed what God said. And now their names are recorded in this Hall of Faith. What's interesting uh, about Abraham and Sarah, and if you have a time to look at kind of the, the list there, it's not an exhaustive list, but important list of those included in Hebrews chapter 11. None of them ultimately got to see what they were promised. In their lifetimes, they didn't get to experience the fullness of the promise. Like Abraham, he was promised that through him, the world would be blessed. His descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And at the time, he, he had no heirs. It was a ridiculous promise. And ultimately, we know through his lineage comes Jesus, the ultimate blessing to the nations, to the world. But 
Abraham didn't get to experience the fullness of that blessing in his life, did he? But still, he obeyed. This morning, I want to focus on two words. I'm going to make this really simple. We've been in the book of Revelation for several weeks. We're going to go back there next week, and that's, that's some heavy stuff, right? And so this morning, at the risk of, of sounding a little bit more like Sesame Street, we're going, to, we're going to focus on two words. In fact, some of you may remember Sesame Street. I think it's still on TV somewhere, uh, but kids these days, it's not on Netflix, so maybe they don't watch it. But in Sesame Street, it used to always be sponsored by a certain letter, right? Today, sponsored by the letter and the number, whatever. But today, today's message is sponsored by two words. And uh, at the risk of being overly simple today, I've got two words, and they're opposite words, but these words are going to help us understand the importance of Hebrews chapter 11 and understand um, who we are and what the Lord's called us to for such a time as this, as a church. And and those two words are the words stay and the words go. (laughs) Stay and go. I know know you don't have to do this, but I'm going to invite you to do this. Repeat that word after me. Stay, go. Right, right. Opposite words, basic words, words that we understand. And you may be wondering, what do these words have to do with Hebrews chapter 11? Well, let's make this really simple. I'm going to start with one word, the word go, go. What does this word have to do with Hebrews chapter 11? Well, Abraham and Sarah were called to go. They were called to go and didn't even know where they were going. They were called to go and they didn't have all the details. That They didn't know how it was all going to work out, but they were called to go. But that call wasn't just specific to them, was it? Because in Matthew chapter 28, we read some of the last words of Jesus. We call it now the Great Commission, right? Where Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, right? Jesus' call, his command, generations and generations and thousands of years later, after Abraham and Sarah were called to go, Jesus commissions his disciples, his followers to go. And so that's not just a word for Abraham and Sarah. It's not just a word for the disciples, those who who were right there and had a first uh, eyewitness account, a firsthand view of, of the life and ministry of Jesus. The call to go is for all believers. It's the heart of God for all, all who claim faith in Christ. I've had some powerful examples in my life of that word go. Two heroes in my life were my grandfathers, uh, Harold and and Charles. And so in different ways, in in different ways, they lived out this idea of go. They both happened to be pastors in ministry in the Church of the Nazarene, but they really demonstrated and lived out this idea of go in different ways. My one grandfather, Harold, uh, he, he was a pastor and he had a heart to start a church in Richmond, Virginia. The only problem is he didn't have a lot of people to start the church with and he didn't have a place for the church to meet. And so he began praying and gathering some people together and soon he found an old barber shop in Richmond, Virginia, a place that during the week was used quite a bit, but on Sunday morning sat empty. And so he gathered a group of believers there to start a church in an old barber shop. And that church began to grow and grow. And soon, even after he wasn't the pastor, um, that church now sits uh, at Southside Church of the Nazarene, one of the largest Nazarene churches 
in the state of Virginia because my grandfather had a heart to go to reach people who weren't going to be reached any other way. And it didn't matter if they didn't even have a place to meet. We'll even meet in a barbershop. He was that committed to the heart of go. My other grandfather, Charles, uh, was a prominent leader in the Church of the Nazarene, a district superintendent, a pastor of pastors. And and though he was pretty well-known and and well-loved, the things I remember about my grandfather aren't the big things that he did, the messages he preached and the big uh, extravagant acts of obedience. The things I remember about my grandfather, Charles, was the little things he did. See, anytime I was with him, I noticed that he never missed anyone. We could be driving to the dump and running errands or whatever we did. He would stop and engage every single person. He he listened to them. He cared for them. Almost always, he would take a $20 bill out of his pocket. I swear, he, he probably brought those for that specific purpose. And he would bless someone in some way. It didn't matter who they were. Didn't matter if he would ever see them again. He had this heart and this heart to go to care for every person. It impacted me. It was foundational in my life. These heroes in my life, I saw them demonstrate and live out the heart of go. I got the opportunity to experience early in my life what it meant to go beyond my city and my community. I I was eight and I got to travel to Paraguay on a mission trip and experience other cultures and, and other people that love Jesus that don't speak my language and don't look like me. In college, I get to be a part of a ministry trip to to Mexico, and I've had several opportunities to go beyond my borders and beyond my home and beyond my community. Those were deeply impactful for me to see the heart of go that sometimes calls us to go across the street, but sometimes across the world. Hmm. Our church, our church has had many opportunities to live out this call to go. Yes, around the world, but in our community. At the Harrisonburg location, we have Kids Harbor, a ministry of our church. And we didn't wake up one day and start Kids Harbor because we just needed something else to do. We saw an opportunity to minister to families in our community that needed good quality care for their children. And we found this is an opportunity that that we get to engage people that we would not otherwise be able to engage in any other way. And to this day, Kids Harbor ministers to about 150 kids day after day in our community, families that we're impacting with this heart of go. Hope Distributed, right? A ministry arm of our church located in Harrisonburg. In the same way, people were hungry, people were in need in our community. So we started Hope Distributed as a way to feed people, as a way to serve them, as a way to give them resources, clothing and furniture, because we're engaging and loving them in a way that we may not ever be able to. That's the heart of go. It's the reason that we are a multi-campus church, that today, right now, you're there. You're there at, in Elkton, Virginia, a campus of our church, because individuals had a heart to go, to not just stay in Harrisonburg, where we had a, a church family, but to say, hey, we think our church family can grow and extend beyond this zip code and beyond this corner into the community. There's people in Elkton that need to hear the good news of Jesus. There's people that may not otherwise know unless we go. That's the reason our Esperanza Viva campus worships week after week in Harrisonburg because our church made a decision. We're not just gonna reach people that look like us and speak our language. We want to reach our whole community. We want to reach people that no matter what language they speak, no matter what culture, 
they have. This has been the heart of our church for years and years, long before you showed up, and maybe you've been part of our church a long time, but the heart of this church has been the heart to go because that's the heart of God for his people. And, and through all of that, through my life and, and the heroes of my faith that I've seen live it out and the ways that I've tried to live it out in my day-to-day life and seeing it through our church, there's something that I've learned. There's a truth that I've discovered. And I, I think many of you have found this truth to be true. And the truth is this, to go isn't always easy, but to go is always good. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. To go isn't always easy, but to go is always good. Because when we go, when we go with the Lord, we're obeying him. It's it's obedience. And the Lord, the Lord can bless our obedience. But the opposite of that, disobedience, the Lord can't bless. The Lord can't bless disobedience in my life. He can only bless obedience. God works through us as we go, and he works in us as we go. It's one of the most important reasons that Hebrews 11 exists in your Bible, a testimony to the work that God does as we go, as we obey by faith, by faith, by faith. (laughs) So this idea of go, it's important. It's the call of God for all people. It's our call as a church, but it's his call for us, all believers. But the opposite of this word is, Of course, this word, not go, but the word stay, stay. And and you know by now, you can tell by now, I'm I'm real passionate about this word go, but but in order to talk about the word go, we also have to talk about this word, right? The opposite of go is this word stay. And as much as we want to be defined by the word go, and, and many of you might be nodding along or amening to this, yeah, go, go, go. The reality is far too often, those of us that claim faith in Christ, we're not defined by this word. Far too often we're defined by this word. Stay. Stay. Some of you, no way, no way, pastor. Not in my life. Not in my lifetime. Not in our church. That's not, that's not who we are. That's not what we're about. But, but the reality is we have to examine our actions, Right? Hebrews 11 was about the actions of people that had faith, how they responded in obedience. And so as we think about this word, as we have to be honest with ourselves, we have to be honest about what our actions suggest, not just what we think and what we believe and what we desire, but what do our actions suggest? And I, I want to say, I want to propose to you today that if we were to examine our actions far too many times in, in the church, in America, and yes, even our church, Far too many times our actions are defined by this idea of stay. How how is that possible, Pastor? How is it possible that though we may have a heart to go, our actions suggest this? Well, I want to illustrate this for us and and what I think is is a powerful illustration. Really simple. Again, uh, today's message is brought to you by the word stay and go. And so I brought with me some blocks. It's kind of a kid-friendly message today, so bear with me today. But I want to talk to you about the ways that I think, though we're called to go, our actions demonstrate that we actually are far more interested in that word stay. And so to do that, I brought some blocks with me because uh, we believe in go, but we have all these reasons why we don't do it. And I want these blocks to help kind of illustrate, demonstrate the reasons why we don't go. 
And I wanna talk about a couple big ones. And so as I do that, I want, I want these blocks to kind of symbolize. Uh, first, I want these blocks to kind of symbolize comfort. Comfort. What's one of the, the reasons that we don't go? What's one of the reasons that though we might know the call of God and throughout the story of God, that the example of men and women, heroes of the faith who chose to go, why don't we do that in our life? Well, one of the main reasons why is because we like comfort. We like to be comfortable. Nobody, listen, none of you today want to be uncomfortable. Of course, we don't like pain. We don't like suffering. We don't like, but, but hey, in my life, you know what else is true? I like routine. I like schedule. Now, I, I don't like everything to be the same all the time, but, but I like to have a routine and a rhythm and a checklist and to check the boxes. And so for me, I like comfort. Comfort works for me. It works in the rhythm of my life and my day-to-day, my calendar. And no one wants to feel out of control, but comfort sometimes gives us this sense of control. So we tend to, in our nature, to cling to our norm, what's normal for us, what's usual for us, what's comfortable, because it's easier and it's safer. So for us, we have comfort. And, And listen, that's not just an individual thing. It happens within the church. It's the same thing. We make a relationship with God about comfort. We choose, instead of a relationship, it really becomes about religion. It becomes a list of things we do and don't do. I show up to church for an hour. I might join a life group if everyone in it's not too weird, but we, we make our faith about comfort, what we're comfortable with. We love Jesus. We read the word, but we just get comfortable. And I would say that many of us today, if we're not careful, we... We have comfort. Well, the next one, it's just as important and just as prevalent in our world. Now, I'll use some blocks to demonstrate this. It's comfort, yes, but then it becomes what I'll call busyness. Busyness. This is the reason we don't go. This is the reason that we don't obey the heart of God for his people and for his church. We're we're busy. (laughs) It's a big one. It's a big one. We're too busy with our lives, with our jobs, with our schedules, with our vacations, and with our hobbies. Never before in human history have we been more busy. Listen to the way that we talk to each other. How are you? Oh, I'm just busy. How are things going at work? Oh, it's just been busy. When have we never been busy? We're always busy. We're always busy. We retire and then we get busy, right? It doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. Everyone is busy all the time. And I'm not judging you because I feel the same way. I feel like my life is busy. We live our lives filled with so much stuff. And hey, some of it's good stuff. But our lives are so full, we can't go. We can't go. We're too busy. We got too much going on. We can fit God into our schedule when it works. We can fit the church or community and serving into our schedule when we can. But, but really, we can't do anything too extreme because we're just too busy. We believe what Jesus said and what he called us to do but we can't get to it right now, maybe one day, because right now we're, we're busy. So though we are called to go, we're just too busy. Hmm. I want to talk one more, and there's a lot of things that we could use, but I want to talk about one more I think is significant, and that's fear. Fear. We live in a world that is overcome and gripped with fear, and I don't have to tell you that because I believe you... <laughs> understand you relate to that in your life. Listen, we all do. We all can relate to fear, feeling fear in our lives, feeling anxiety 
about a number of different things. Maybe you're fearful about the future and what's going to happen. You're fearful of the unknown. You're fearful about your health or, or decisions that people you love, your family are going to make. You're fearful about job and providing enough income and whether you're going to have enough for all of the things that we have to be fearful of. We are afraid all the time, all the time. And it's true that we are afraid to go. If the Lord calls us to go, many of us, if we were being honest, we're afraid to do that because it's risky. It means going beyond our comfort zone. Believers are called to come together and grow and gather, and we believe that, but nowhere in the history of the church do we have permission to run from the world, to to stand back from the world, to be afraid to go. But, But most of us, if we were honest, we start talking about this idea of go and start feeling afraid. What's going to happen? How, how could I get rejected? How, how, what's, who, who is the Lord going to call me to reach and engage? And so before long, what we've done with all of our excuses and all of our reasons, instead of having a heart to go, what we've actually done is we've built a wall, a wall that doesn't call us to go, but a wall that insulates us. And instead it calls us to stay because of our comfort and our busyness and our fear, we actually build a wall. Those of us that claim faith in Christ and to love him, a wall that, that says, I can't go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay right here. It's too risky to go. It's too uncomfortable to go. I'm too busy to go. Instead, what, what happens if we're not careful? The church becomes a place where instead of being encouraged and challenged and equipped to go, we become a place, a holding ground, where people become comfortable and busy and fearful and even selfish. And we gather and we gather and we gather and we gather and we stay. We hide behind our walls, the walls that we build, whether intentionally or not. And we don't go. We just stay and we stay and we stay and we stay. And until the Lord comes back or until he takes us home, we stay. That's what our actions suggest. (laughs) Well, church family, it won't shock you today (laughs) that I don't want to be this kind of church. I don't want to be a church that's defined by stay. I don't want to be a church that's so overcome with fear. And yeah, we have fear. We don't have to pretend like that's not real. But I don't want to be a church that's so overcome by fear that I allow it to build a wall in my life to keep me from going, to keep me from loving my neighbors, to keep me from loving people in my community that are really different than me. And I don't understand and I don't always agree with them, but I'm not, I don't want to allow fear. I don't want to allow the busyness of my schedule, even the busyness of ministry, of good things to keep me from going. I I don't want to allow that. I don't want to allow my comfort, my routine and my rhythm and going through the motion day after day after day and and making my faith in God about comfort and about routine, religion, empty practices. I don't want to allow that to keep me from the heart of God, which says that I'm to go. I don't want to be a church like that. In fact, As long as the Lord calls me to be pastor of this church, we won't be a church like that. We can't be. We have a mission as a church. We have a mission. I hope you know it. I hope you've heard it by now. But our mission is this, that we are transformed by God 
to bring hope to others through Christ. That we believe we are transformed by God in such a way that we bring hope to others, that we go through Christ, through his call, through his work, through his power at work in us. That is our mission. It's a mission that calls us to go. And so for a church that takes that mission seriously, then we, we have to go. We have to go. It's what it means to be obedient to the Lord in spite of our fears, in spite of how busy we are, in spite of our comfort. We have to go. Church family, that's why we have weeks like this. That's why over this next week, we're having a week called Best Week Ever. And maybe you've heard us talking about this. Maybe you've been hanging out here long enough that you've heard about this before. Why in the world do we have Best Week Ever? Well, 365 days a year, I want us to be about the mission of Go. I want us to be praying about it and thinking about it and, and acting upon it, right? But for one week a year, I, I, wanna, I want us to just dream together. What would it look like if as the church, we just came together and put all our efforts together and we just go? <laughs> That's what, that's what Best Week Ever is all about. And it looks different. It looks like some of our kids gathering at our Harrisonburg campus for a week of VBS. Uh, over 130 kids, I think, already registered to be a part of that. It looks like us uh, inviting people from our community uh, back to, so that we can minister to them and, and offer valuable resources in this community, right? It looks like partnering with EAUS and others to, to love compassionately those around us that we might miss if we're building our wall of comfort, it looks like going out any way that we can. That's why. That's why we have weeks like this. In closing, I've been struck with two words from Revelation. Again, if you're visiting today, if you haven't been able to join us last couple of weeks, we're in Revelation chapter two and three. We're studying uh, over this summer the letters to the church in Revelation, the words of Jesus. And they're ministering to me powerfully. And a couple weeks ago, uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, there were two words that stood out to me. And I want to close with these two words today. They're not the two words on our signs, but they're the words of Jesus. Words written to his church, yes, thousands of years ago, but words to his church today. And words, I'm going to make them specific to me. The two words in Revelation 2, verse 10, be faithful. Be faithful. As I was reading those words and preparing and preaching and all of that, those words struck deeply to my heart. Because if I'm going to be honest, sometimes, sometimes I don't know if I'm being faithful. I don't know how to answer that question. I don't know what it means moment by moment to always be. And so, so I had to come before the Lord and say, Lord, what does it mean for me, for Adrian to be faithful right now? I can't be faithful five years from now. I can't be faithful next week. All I have is today. So Lord, what does it mean for me right now to be faithful? For some reason, you've called us for such a time as this. For some reason, you've entrusted us in the year 2023 as broken and as dark as you may feel like the world is getting. The Lord has placed us here now for such a time as this. So what does it mean for us as a church to be faithful? To be faithful. I really think that's the question. And the truth is, it, it's a personal question. And so I don't know what the answer is for you in your life. I, I don't know. I believe if you, if you ask the Holy Spirit, he'll reveal to you. But I don't know the answer specifically for you. But I do know the answer for all of us in some way. Being faithful to God means that we go. 
inside. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know all the details. I don't know everything that's going to involve for you, but I'm confident part of what it means to be faithful to the Lord for such a time as this is that we, as a church, we individually choose to go. And so my prayer for you today, his church, is that you would choose to go that you would tear down the walls that we might build that separate us, that cause us to stay. We would tear down the walls and say, Lord, I'm willing to go. I want to be faithful for such a time as this. Will you pray with me? Lord, I pray for your church, your church that you've planted here in this valley, one church in multiple locations across this valley. And over this coming week, we're going to see you do incredible things in and through your church as we go. But Lord, I don't want that to just be a fad or a phase or something that shows up on our calendar. I want you to do a mighty work in our hearts to compel us because we've been transformed with you. We're going to bring hope to others. So Lord, show us what it means to be faithful. Teach us what it means to be faithful. Show us what it means for us to go right now in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces, on our campuses, for such a time as this. We want to say yes to you. So come and do a mighty work in your church in these days. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.